Today's episode of the Mission Daily is brought to you by Twilio. This October, Twilio is hosting Signal, the customer developer conference of the year. To grab your tickets, go to signal.twilio.com and be sure to use the code MISSION20 at checkout to receive 20% off your tickets. On the first ever Friday Hangout of the Mission Daily, Chad, Mike, Christine, and Patrick talk relationships. They share what's important in building them, how to improve your networking, and what it takes to make lifelong lasting ones. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Mission Daily. I'm Chad Grills, and I'm joined by three guests and good friends, Mike, Christine, and Patrick. What's up? What's up, Chad? Hello. Thanks for stopping by. So in this episode, what are we talking about, Mike? Uh, We're going to dive into relationships this week. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, especially because we did an interview with you, aired earlier this week. We also did one with your wife slash co-founder, Stephanie Postles. And then this week, we're just summing it up. And we got Patrick and Christine in the studio with us. Yeah, we are a couple. Our awesome video crew. (laughs) Awesome video crew. They've been with us all week filming at Dreamforce, which we're going to dive into a little bit. A little bit of a recap. A little bit of a recap. But more importantly, we wanted Patrick and Christine to come on because one, we love having them around for the week. But two, they have some interesting insights to share into their working relationship, personal relationship, and how they all make it work. So hopefully we'll get some nuggets to all you folks out there. So yeah. And we were talking before we turned the mics on too, that not many people in our industry, in the tech world and media world are couples that dare work together. The conventional wisdom is that it's a horrible idea. It never works. But we found that if you want it to work, you can make it work actually. And in your industry, do you see a lot of people that are couples working together in video and post-production and editing and everything? No, not at all. No. (laughs) Do people ever like, do people ever caution you when they find out like, careful, like don't know what you're getting into type thing? Yeah. Or there's always kind of that like side eye or like, oh, okay. So like that doubting. (laughs) I, mean, I feel it? like I'm that person, <laughs> <laughs> but not not from present experience working with Christine as a dream. Yeah, very cool. Because I would, in my own experience, it seems like it makes other people very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but it makes me feel actually like very reassured because I'm a big advocate of having a long personal history with anyone as long as possible before you decide to start like collaborating, working together. I think that's generally a great rule of thumb. So. Mm-hmm. Right. We were talking uh, just a couple nights ago about how people think like, well, after a long day of work, what do you have to talk about at dinner? Yeah. You know, and but what we were saying is that if you're working like separate jobs or if you're if you're working in two different worlds, then there's only so much that you can relate to each other. But then if you're in that same world, there's so much there's so much crap to talk about everybody. else. Yeah. And it's like in one of the things I really, really like about it there are constructive things to talk about. So mm-hmm. you can notice your spouse or your partner having a challenge in work and you get to solve it or help them out. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things where I think relationships get better and better over time when you develop this history of solving somebody's problems. Like if you love somebody, if you care about them, I don't think there's a better way to show it than making their life better or making their life easier. So I think people forget that there's that upside there Absolutely. and you get to have like a really great feeling uh, helping somebody else out. I also want to hear from you three before we get into relationships. I want to talk about Dreamforce. There was a lot going on this week. Chad, you were probably at every single corner of San Francisco that you could possibly be in, including the 170,000 people that were at Dreamforce. So tell me what happened. What did you like? What were some of the things that... I don't know. I I think I blacked out on Monday and starting to come come to now. Yeah, starting to... 
the memories are coming back to me slowly but surely. I'm just kidding. They didn't black out. But <laughs> there were a lot of people in the city. Uh, yeah, I guess it was 170,000, right? I think so. I think that was like the official number. I always do a 170. I always pick like a six-figure number and then do a yeah. plus with it. So it makes it look one <laughs> awesome and two. If there's more people <laughs> there, then it's like I was yeah. close. Very yeah. clever. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for people that aren't familiar with Dreamforce, that's Salesforce's annual business party conference event. It's one of the best business parties in the world. It's also one of the largest, which creates a number of different challenges inside a city like San Francisco, which it's a great city, but with so many people in and out, there are a bunch of challenges with having 170,000 people there. So if you can get over the uh, congestion, it can be a really fun time. Is there any celebrities you saw there? Anything that you were fangirling out a little bit about or no? So I nerd out about nerdy things, in fact, and case in point, getting the co-CEO of Salesforce, Keith Block, to agree to come on the mission daily. That's exciting. That's a you know game changer for us. And some of the marketers at Salesforce that I whose work I really admire, they're going to be coming on an upcoming podcast we're doing called Marketing Trends at marketingtrends.com. Quick shout, <laughs> shout out there. Shameless plug in, but we shameless plug. <laughs> and so getting them to come on to that podcast, that's really exciting. And yeah. And then Patrick Christine, what did you guys like about Dreamforce? Tell the tell the world. Oh man! Well, I guess I'm I'm the only one who actually uh, actually went inside. That's true. Uh, I was stuck in the Salesforce ivory tower <laughs> for the whole week. Rapunzel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those were some long days. Yeah, yeah. you guys were champs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, honestly, all I remember is just being so overwhelmed. There were just like so many different <laughs> stations, and I know that like the I think we were in Moscone West, and that was just like one of the quadrants, the one of the three floor quadrants of Dreamforce. And I just remember, I remember being there and I, I was going there to film B-roll for, for the series of videos that we're doing, but just feeling like, I don't know what's important. I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> I, think I, I think I gave you about like a minute and a half briefing. I'm like, I got to go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good luck. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, it but was, no, you, you, you crushed it. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks. But yeah. it was, yeah, it was so much fun working with the two of you because I was like, I didn't want to get my hopes up, but at the same time I, I did because it's one of the things I like go back and forth on. Sometimes I like being incredibly naively optimistic and mm -hmm. sometimes I don't, but whatever. I think but, we use the same words yeah. to describe working with you. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. naively awesome. optimistic. And it was like national yeah. park theme, right? Wasn't that like the, wasn't like range, forest ranger? Or, yeah. Oh, yeah, they have that. And then it kind of goes with their like trailblazer trail oh, gotcha. theme, which mm -hmm. Salesforce has done an excellent job of creating like a whole world of animated characters and it's fun yeah. to see that like evolve their branding's on point yeah their their marketing and branding is impressive and fun fact they've actually spent 49 percent of their all their revenue on marketing and advertising since inception so this is one of the wow. big misconceptions that not a lot of people know about is that they think tech companies don't spend on advertising they think that they're engineering focused cultures in a lot of ways they are but in a lot of ways too companies like salesforce and google spend huge amounts on marketing and advertising because because it works. Mm -hmm. And when Amazon IPO'd, they raised about $54 million in IPO cash and Bezos promptly spent half of it on marketing and advertising. So wow. this is a trend that a lot of people claim to hate ads and a lot of people do hate ads, but it's not going away. And mm -hmm. I think that the challenge that we're all figuring out is like, how do we make it better and better and better? So well, that's, that's really interesting because that's that actually the same metric. 40% is the same metric that that's like the standard for the entertainment industry. Oh, is, very cool. That's how much you spend on marketing. But I, I was noticing a lot of really big similarities between the tech world and the entertainment world. It's really funny being from L.A. or coming from L.A. 
seeing all of the parallels between like the tech execs. Uh, it's like, oh, this this is who would be that uh, executive producer, you know, back home. Oh, exactly. And, yeah. yeah. And that's a shift that we see happening just more and more is Silicon Valley and Hollywood are both looking up to each other. They're both like pointing out each other's weaknesses and flaws. Mm -hmm. But what's happening is like those cultures are kind of blending right now. So it's it's really cool. A lot like uh, rappers and basketball players. It's basically like the same <laughs> dynamic between the same. tech. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's fun watching it happen because we definitely want to keep playing matchmakers as much as possible because there's Absolutely. Yeah, a big opportunity there. Chad, do you play trivia night at all at the bars? Have you thought about that? I don't. You should. I'm not. We I'm would win not every. Very good. So <laughs> I, I'm really weird, Mike. In a, in Tell many, me more about that. <laughs> in many different ways. I get frustrated when I, I'm like playing trivia or games that are like very, I feel it's like a bit stifling in a, in a sense. Because, really? Yeah. It's like, that's what Google's for. That's what computers are for that, to help <laughs> out with. I like, like really creative games like uh, Sellers of Catan and stuff like that. Um, what is I'm, Sellers of <gasps> Catan? It's uh, it's kind of like a strategy game, but like I love risk? board One games. The... I love oh. role-playing games. Somewhere to like risk, that. yeah. Um, yeah. But um, anything strategy where you can luck. be a bit more yeah. creative, I'm all about, but maybe I'll, I'll try. I, I just feel like you would crush it because like, I, I go, Chad Girl's the man who knows a little about everything. <laughs> <laughs> so we could... I That's mean, pretty generous. It's just always like, there's always just something that I've experienced in the short time I've been here. Just like some, like I didn't even know they spent that much money like Salesforce did on that. And then yeah. Patrick, you just came in too. And I feel like you would also crush it at Trivia Night as well. Oh, uh, I don't know. You might be surprised. <laughs> I'm the oh. useless knowledge. She's yeah. yeah. Christine, Christine is the authority on useless facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of like you two, especially I, what I found really cool was when I worked with you guys on the set, there was a lot of chemistry and cohesion that not only have you guys done this before, right? But it seems like you guys understand boundaries and you guys know who's really good at what. I think you had mentioned earlier in the week that Patrick's like the speed editor, right? Like that guy could crank out a video yeah. in three three hours and you yeah. were kind of more of like the fun or like you look I don't know how you described it like I'm completely paraphrasing. Yeah I think that's something that has really worked for us in our working relationship is identifying where our own and where the other person's strengths and weaknesses are and really understanding that in a working relationship because then I know where I really need to to step up and kind of make up for where he has a weakness and then and vice versa, where my weaknesses are, then I know that he's got my back. There's this trust and you know it's something that we have established. And like when we're setting up a set, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm good at. I know the details I'm supposed to focus on and I know what he has. And it's just like, we don't really have to talk about it because we just, we know. And same thing in post-production, I know what I'm good at and I know what he's good at. And we're really good at playing off of each other's strengths. And so also, also borrowing from each other. I think since we've been working together, just for example, like your eye for design, like you could kill me in a design competition. <laughs> but I feel like because of that, because I because I'm so close to you, and I get to watch, I get to watch what you do. That now I've been able to take a little bit of your eye for design and, and apply that to my composite, my composition, or like my titles, or we get the best out of each other. That's really cool. So I have a quick question about that. Oh boy. I'm really curious. How did you go about figuring out who had what strengths and weaknesses? And were there any type of conversations or maybe even arguments to help <laughs> really like decide or point out to the other person what their strengths and weaknesses were? Because sometimes we can be blind to mm -hmm. our biggest strengths or our biggest weaknesses. What was that discovery process like for you all? 
I feel like it, it happened very naturally and organically for us. It, we just kind of dove in pretty early in our relationship. We entered a film competition together. And so that was our first kind of foray into working together because we both come from very independent backgrounds and we were both used to being kind of the head of the show and, and being responsible for everything. And so then when we were, started working together, it was just kind of like a like it was, everything was all shaken up and then we, all the pieces kind of just fell naturally into place. And of course, there were some, I want to say difficult conversations, but definitely conversations about how we can improve and do things better and blend better together. But again, it just it happened very naturally, I think, unless you're giving me a look no, like no. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree 100%. You know, if there was anything that we butted heads about. Well, I, and this this just comes from having a very healthy outlook on a relationship to begin with. But, you know, if there was something that that we had conflicting ideas about or something, then we would we would hash it out and talk it out right away. And I think that jumping into that 48 hour film competition as a team at the very beginning of our relationship, I set a good framework for the rest of our relationship because we we were forced in a time sensitive situation to not only, you know, make a great piece of art, but also also do that while learning about each other. That's a great way to learn about each other, right? Yeah. Is actually jumping into something where you have like stakes and incentives, like yeah. 48 hours, right? Yeah. Limited mm -hmm. resources to do what, make a short feature or like was it a 10 short minutes? Film. Or, yeah. Yeah. Five like to minutes. seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is a big challenge, right? That's a huge uh, challenge. I think that's something that people complain about a lot is like not having enough resources for their creative projects. That is true because it's once you take those out of the equation, it gets really tough. So how do you but, think about working in the absence of all the resources and, you know, ideal situations don't really exist? So, yeah, it, it's funny that you say that, because I think Christine and I share the belief that it's almost easier to work when you have all those things taken away, because then it's you know, you're not looking at a huge wall of possibilities. Yeah, you rather, have your yeah. sandbox belt. You yeah, know, exactly. You so you, you know what, what all your pieces are. You just got, you know, a dozen of pieces and you just have to put find the right order for them. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> Essentially. What about you, Chad? Your relationship. Uh, talk about, you know, Stephanie and you have created. It was uh, a bit more. Uh, yeah. Uh, Go for it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to be too presumptuous here, but I would say the conversations were uh, a bit more direct. And Stephanie and I are, I wouldn't say fans, but we're not afraid to argue about a lot of things. And I think that arguing is a great way to accelerate discovery. And that's, I, I don't mean <laughs> most, most people, when they hear arguing, they get kind of like uncomfortable and they, for a bunch of different reasons. But I think that arguments can be constructive if they're done with love, with patience, if you're doing a good job of listening, of not trying to be too harsh, trying to be kind. But I think it's really, really important because I've pointed out things to staff where I've said, you're horrible at this. And like there's every, <laughs> like every woman that's listening, please don't hate me. Um, but Steph will throw that back at me. Yeah. And it's very, very valuable because she points things out where I can have, you know, I guess RBF is the technical <laughs> uh, term. But I, so when I get yes. lost in thought, I tend to just develop a natural RBF as it gets pretty intense. When I get excited about something too, I can like look angry and I mm -hmm. can start to get like so loud. It's not because I'm having a bad time. It's because I'm like, this is incredible. Like this is so we have to like, do this right now. We have to capitalize on this opportunity. And Steph has been just so invaluable in pointing that out to me. And she hasn't taken her time, which I really, really appreciate. She's basically told me, you know, you look like an idiot. You look like <laughs> you're angry all the time. And everybody else thinks you're angry and you're ruining this situation because 
of your uh, demeanor and things I'm like that. I'm scared of Stephanie now that you're just saying that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you asked me on the uh, the previous episode. Yeah. yeah, it's okay to be a little fearful of your, uh, your, your spouse boss. or partner. That's uh, I think that's an important step on the path to respect, recognizing that somebody else is, yeah, a boss at certain things. Well, we'll go around in a little bit of a circle, but I want to throw it back to you and, and talk about, from the application standpoint, creating meaningful relationships. I think one of the things that people... I've noticed in, in my earlier years, you know, post-college and creating relationships is like, we always want to fast forward to the end, right? Like we always yeah. want the relationship to, whether it's romantic or it's a business relationship, you're kind of like, that's great. We shook hands, but like, I want you to hire me and get me that job or like yeah. send me funding for my new company. And then if it's like in a dating relationship, it's like, I really like you, like sprint to the finish. Like, let's just wrap this thing up and like get it going. So <laughs> what, what are some of the things that you do or you would suggest in in kind of building those meaningful relationships for people? I think just identifying when you are being too pushy or trying to make something happen in an inauthentic way that is kind of like if you have a timeline that you're trying to like accelerate or if you're trying to get somebody to work with you on something, like there's a big tendency to just fall into the trap of wanting it to happen faster and faster and faster. And I think that stepping back and just letting things happen, like you said, Christine, organically is so important because to build up a shared history of conversations and experiences takes a long time. And this last week was a great reminder that the best relationships take years to build. And the thing about that, though, is they're built on a foundation of like bedrock in a sense. But the relationships that you rush into, those are the ones that every new quarter or new year, you're discovering something that can oftentimes be unpleasant. Whereas the relationship that you entered into in a very relaxed, laid back way where you're in no hurry, those are the ones that continually like surprise me in a great way. Case in point, Patrick, we met each other two and a half years ago. Something like that. About working on a, a project together. And it's so great to meet someone in that professional environment because you get to see how they act and, you know, not what they say, but what they do. And so I think that any opportunity to see what somebody does and not what they talk about and just see how they work is a great way to like accelerate getting to know them. And then with Rachel stopping by, that was fantastic. That was the first time we've met in person, but we started talking back in 2013, just exchanging messages online. And that's available to everyone that's listening right now is you can start to, yeah, fight the urge of or worrying about rejection and just message that person that you want to get to know better. And you don't have to accelerate to a meeting or anything like that, but just send them a thought about what you're thinking, what you care about. If they did something that you like, tell them. Which is crazy because in business, people do this all the time. I know you've built this team mostly remotely, right? Or like you've sent emails to people. I know mm-hmm. like you and I were talking almost a year ago and I was like following yeah. your work and then we never met in person. And I know with Patrick, you just mentioned that. And then I'm sure like Christine, there was a little bit of like similarity with that. But in like personal relationships, people are mortified of like online connections first before they meet somebody, right? So yeah. that, that to me but is that's nuts. A great. I mean, that's a great way to d- discover anything. And it's a way where technology and the internet, they're incredible tools for not just curating opportunities and interesting people, but finding shared interests. Yeah, I mean, there's such a high likelihood that you're gonna find someone who has the shared interests and shared job and life experiences you know, you can do that online so much more easily than you can in your local town. So yeah, what about you guys? Like, what do you what are your what's your take on online meeting in terms of the business world? I mean, do you guys find it to be beneficial for you too when you're doing jobs together? Are you you know, what's the kind of the key to success? Because I know you guys are down in close to Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. 
all of my work comes from referrals. I do zero advertising. So, I mean, the most valuable thing to me for making connections is just like, A, do great work, put your heart and soul into every every project that you get. B, treat your clients well. Just be be authentic and be make friends with them because you never know what, what types of projects they have down the line for you. So I haven't haven't really done a whole lot of like meeting people online. Uh, of course, like when when you're first introduced to a client, a lot of those meetings don't happen in person. They're phone meetings or or emails or something. But in terms of like going out and and casting the net, I don't I don't do a whole lot of that. I thought what was really interesting what you just said was it it was kind of a line of respect, right? And I Absolutely. think that's another thing we could uh, touch on too in in terms of building relationships is just a respect factor. Mm-hmm. I find that when Going back previously, talking about like there's a lot of a majority of society is looking for the end game, right? Like there there's an agenda when they meet people and sometimes they forget like this person, you know, they're a human being, right? And then I remember when I was going through college, I had a I had a friend of mine tell me the best advice he ever received was is that it doesn't matter if they're the president of the United States or they're your next door neighbor, everybody puts their pants on the same way you do. <laughs> and it was like very humbling to to like hear that, right? And so I always carry that into relationships that I have is making sure that we probably put our pants on the same way we do, probably get out on the same side of the bed, right? Which is like that even level playing field. Even so you level guys put field. your pants on by like jumping into them both legs at once, right? We can. I do. <laughs> I slow, slow job. Slow yeah. job. Yeah. I, I do a headstand and I pull my pants upside down. Yes. That'd be awesome. I like to put my pants 10 feet away from the bed and then I'll get a running start across the mattress and see if I can jump into them. It's a strong statement. Yeah. It hasn't... It, we're still working on that success, but I think the other thing that I find really interesting is like in terms of networking as well is, is what do you guys, we talked about Endgame, we've talked about kind of like tips and tricks though, but what do you think another thing is that people can do to improve the relationships in terms of a networking space? We've talked about like, you know, obviously in terms of, you don't do any advertising, but a lot of yours is referral based. So it's very like personal, whereas you, you're kind of, we're putting the mission out on all different social channels, people are like reaching out to help us. Like, what are some other things that you think that people can do to kind of increase the power of networking or improve those relationships? That they're yeah. So on? one of the things that I do, it rubs some people the wrong way. Other people like it, and I'm still really bullish on it for the long term. And here's what that strategy is: it's basically to try to talk with the person as much as possible and figure out what is their not just like dream situation for work and life, but generally all of their aspirations and ambitions. So when we're talking to a client, this is what we do. We try to figure out like, what are their problems right now? What are their problems that they're not telling us because they can't tell us or they don't trust us yet to tell them? We're trying to imagine all of their pain points. And I think that that's the same mindset I take to friendships, to my relationship with Stephanie is I just want to figure out how is your life not going so well? What are you struggling with? And then I want to help solve that. I know that's how I want to be treated in a way. I mean, I don't want, I'm not saying I want people like trying to do my work for me, but I do want people who are concerned. Like if I have something that's painful, I want them to try to like make it better and help out and vice versa. I want to do the same for them. So I think that the more everybody can be like honest with each other and share, this is what my goal is. This is what my end game is. The quicker you can figure out like, okay, I can help you do that. I can't help you do this. What if we did this instead? What if, you know, your end game sounds like this? mine is this, that's kind of similar. What do you think about that? But basically trying to figure out how to collaborate with people in a way that is going to help them get what they want. 
there's the old Zig Ziglar line, like you can get right. anything you want if you help another help enough other people get speaking of help that was one thing that i found that in my earlier years like i had a really hard time asking people for help Mm -hmm. and like there it is taking me a really long time same here be okay with that yeah i mean it's something that you have to just i guess practice again and again and again um and i'm still discovering this and figuring out yeah well i think there's like a sense of like i think there's a perception that asking for help is a sign of weakness and i think it's like as you get older you realize that help is necessary right in terms of networking in terms of like building uh, those meaningful relationships have you guys what is your take on that what have you guys thought about asking for help i mean you it sounds like in your job you have to yeah it's especially hard for me because I call myself the one man warrior. <laughs> we met, we met in a 48 hours. Is it just Patrick, the one man warrior? Do you have like a stage name, like Hercules or something like that? But Patrick really is. He showed up the other night super late just by himself and created amazing, yeah. amazing video story. But that's, that's sort of how I built my branding. And, and that's actually how we met is through a 48 hour film competition where I competed as a solo man show. And uh, a big challenge, I think, I think Christine will agree with me, a big challenge has been translating that into working with a team and, uh, and being able to delegate and, and manage responsibilities. Something Christine's really good at is um, organically, she, she already knows all my weaknesses. And so she, she just sort of fills in the gaps without me having to ask. I could, I could probably be a lot better about asking for help. But yeah, it, it is a very difficult thing to do. But it's important because, you know, the human brain only has so much capacity and you can only, especially if you're on a tight deadline or if you're trying to make something great and you have a team of great people at your disposal, then it's really important to be able to to identify what can be delegated and what should be delegated and to actually say the words like, can you do this for me? I've been really lucky that uh, Christine, you know, she spends more hours with me than not in a day and so she already knows where where i fall short like just yesterday when we were setting up interviews i didn't i didn't even have to ask her she she had all the lights and the mic ready for me to go by the time i had this the camera set up that's that's something that i'm really lucky for yeah I, i think it comes down to working working with a team who understands you and who understands your strengths and weaknesses Yeah, so I'll definitely agree with that. I guess, you know, real talk, that was definitely a point of contention in our relationship early on or not. I mean, it was something that we were able to to work through because we have laid that foundation of open communication and that we, you know, we have this space in our relationship where we can talk very freely with each other without the fear of the other person shutting down or getting upset. And so, that's something that we've both definitely had to work through. I think we're we're definitely in a much better place now, but kind of, you know, getting Patrick to relinquish some of that control because he has been successful for such a long time doing everything on his own. But now, you know, bringing me into the mix and, and talking about like, okay, well, yes, you're very successful on your own, but you can, that you only can get so far on your own. And so, We've been figuring out how to work together to grow our success together and go beyond what he could do on his own. And so I think now, because we're still fairly early in our relationship, we've been together a little over a year and a half, almost on two years now. And so I feel like now we're like we're really getting into our stride and we've you know ironed out a lot of the kinks in previous projects. And so it's been really it's, an ex- been an exciting journey in seeing our working relationship grow. Very cool. All right, so just so I can get peace of mind here, Lacey, is there anything that we're uh, forgetting or leaving out? I can't think of anything. Okay. Shout out to Lacey Peace, by the way, yeah. one of our amazing team Ooh. members who just recently moved out. 
to the Bay Area. Lacey, how are you enjoying it so far? Uh, you know, I'll get used to it, I'm sure. There you go. <laughs> and that's all go. she wrote. That's all she wrote. <laughs> but in true Mission Daily fashion, we always like to leave little nuggets, little breadcrumbs for our listeners to improve, accelerate, be a better version of themselves. So around the horn, one time. Best piece of advice that you can offer people in proving relationships. Get rid of your ego. I like it. Listen to your partner. Yeah, this is a, this is a common one, but uh, open and honest communication and immediate communication. I don't know how many times Christine has suffered at the hands of my uh, unwillingness <laughs> to tell her what exactly is bothering me. <laughs> And uh, and so many times it's just been like I'm hungry. <laughs> I, I feel so bad, but she is she's suffered so much at the hands of my my stomach just not having the nutrients that it needs, and just being being able to be open and even if that's all you're saying is like I'm hungry, I'm grumpy because I'm hungry, be, because then then your partner knows or then you know whoever whoever you're working with knows that like okay that's the source of all of this aggravation that I'm feeling is. Anchor something that real. can be solved. Yeah. <laughs> Anchor's a terrifying Get thing. this guy a burrito, stat. <laughs> God, I love burritos. But Chad, final thoughts. The biggest thing I learned, and I actually learned it in the last week, was to ask more of your friends or people that your colleagues with or that you've worked with for what, ask them to tell you explicitly what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. And then get all of that data from several different people you trust and use it to triangulate what you really need to fix. Because people around you, they might be right about your strengths and weaknesses, they might be wrong, but you're not going to know what they think until you ask. So I had a situation where I texted a friend that I didn't know. I didn't know that well, but I know him pretty well. Like we're good friends, we're getting to be, yeah, a great friendship. And I just asked him point blank, a couple like really uncomfortable questions. It was like, hey, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. And I feel like I'm not thinking about it in a very positive way. What's your take? What do you think about this? And he responded. It was not what I was expecting. I was like pretty terrified at the response. But after he responded, I just cooled out, read his messages, and then implemented on that, basically. And that, that was a game changer because I was scared to ask. But then after I got feedback from him, it was kind of like a weight off. And I was like, oh, that's not as bad as I thought. And that's actually a pretty nice compliment in some ways. So I love it. Ask ask and you shall receive absolutely and in that fashion i'm going to quote my my great father james Ligori, who once told me <laughs> that honesty is the best policy he said never ever not be yourself and always tell the truth because the truth will set you free but more importantly it shows you who you are and where you've come from and if there's more honest direct communication that you have the better your relationships and friendships will be and also to chad girls personally from my father do better chad Wise words, except for that last part. So, <laughs> so, well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks, everybody. And we will see you next Thanks week. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. The Mission Daily is brought to you by the Twilio Signal Conference. Join the mission team on October 17th through the 18th in San Francisco. And when you join us at the conference, you can use the code MISSION20 to get 20%. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Off.